0: All right, welcome into this episode of The Platform Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Kundi Wright, founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club. I hope you guys are having a great week. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something I promised you in uh, a previous episode. I said uh, in my (laughs) angry rant about uh, why injury is not a gift. that I would do an episode on auto-regulation. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I just wanted to preface this by saying, I hope y'all were okay with how fired up I was in that episode. Uh, I realized there was quite a bit of swearing, and uh, I know that it probably was a little bit more angry than I typically come across. Um, But in my defense... I have had a lot of injuries, uh, so I was, I was a little I was a little uh, salty in in that episode. Uh, I promise I'll be less salty in this one. Uh, maybe that's what people are here for. I don't know, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, this one's going to be a little bit more scientific um, and a little bit more specific to uh, the approaches for auto regulation in kettlebell sport specifically. Um, but also, this can these principles can can be applied um, to other disciplines, and you'll hear other coaches, um, you know, within various disciplines, talk about aspects of auto regulation and how to apply it. Um, it's it's an important principle to be able to apply, and I hope that this will be useful for you, and that you'll be able to understand how to apply it in your own training and how we apply it at the twin cities kettlebell club. Um, So with that said, we should probably start with a functional definition of what is auto regulation. And what do I mean when I say auto regulation, Um, as the words would imply auto meaning something that you do automatically without having to think too much about it. Um, And regulation being the adjustment of stimulus, basically. Um, The definition on Wikipedia, which we know is the best place to go because anyone can edit it. So therefore only the best information gets on there. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Wikipedia is actually a really good source. Most, most of the time, <laughs> because they have a pretty solid, uh, a pretty solid regulation policy, but I've, I've always found, it, I've always found it funny that uh, anybody can write there. And so therefore, you know, you're getting the best information possible. Uh, but anyways, uh, I digress. According to Wikipedia, Autoregulation is a process within many biological systems resulting from an internal adaptive mechanism that works to adjust that system's response to stimuli. So adjusting response to stimuli is essentially what autoregulation is all about. Now, when we talk about it within the sphere of physical training, it is adjusting your response to stimulus within a workout, right? So, or, or even between workouts before a workout, um, but it is, it is essentially adjusting the workload in some form or fashion in order to respond to the current state. So, what does that mean and why is it valuable? So we'll start with the why is it valuable part of the question. The reason auto-regulation is valuable is we all have variability in our lives, whether that be from st- lack of sleep or good sleep, um, stress from work, stress from our partnerships, relationships with others, um, commuting, being physically tired because of illness, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I could sit and think of all of the different reasons why you might need to adjust the intensity of your workout, but that would kind of belabor the point. There are all sorts of reasons why we might need to adjust our workout. Our biological preparedness for a particular workout changes from day to day, it's variable. This is where measuring HRV can come in great utility. Measuring your HRV is a way of understanding how rested or and or prepared you might be for a particular intensity of stimulus on a particular day. Um, that's just one mechanism of doing so, but I, I like it because it's relatively objective. It's objective feedback. Your body measure. It's something you measure with your with your body, uh, within your body. Excuse me, um, and gives you a sense of how adjusted and adapted you are for a particular day. Now, based on that, you're going to manage your intensity. Now, why is that valuable? Well, a couple of reasons. First and foremost, and how it came up from the previous episode about the gift of injury which is not a gift in case you hadn't listened to that episode. Spoiler alert. I have a different perspective on injury. I don't think it's a gift. We work very hard to avoid it. So auto-regulation helps us reduce our risk of injury by adjusting the intensity of our training appropriately to the state of preparedness that we are in. That requires that you take stock of your preparedness and how you're feeling, how you're doing, how prepared your body is for the stress that you are about to put it under. That is a very important thing and it is something that we should always do. And I say always, with the understanding that very few people always do anything, but you should always take stock of how your body feels while you are starting training or before you start training, right? If you are sick and you don't feel like you should train, you probably shouldn't. If you are sick and you feel like eh, maybe I should train, you probably shouldn't <laughs> because you're sick. But if you, if you're recovering from being sick and you're like, "Eh, I feel like maybe it would be a good idea for me to train today. I think I'm ready to start training. You, you probably would benefit from training at the appropriate intensity. Right. But that's just one example. That's a very, uh, real example right now, as I'm recovering from COVID and a bunch of people are recovering from COVID and, um, you know that's just a very a very concrete example that most people can relate to when you're when you're sick, right? There are all sorts of other reasons why your HRV may be off, um, or where your recovery may be off, and it can be lack of sleep or external stress. There's all sorts of externalities, like I was saying, but taking stock of how you're feeling is part and parcel of it should be at least at least part and parcel of your warm-up routine. Hopefully you have a warm-up routine and while you are warming up, it's not mindless. Now, I keep warm-up routines um, routine for a reason so that you can do them without a high level of mental energy going into them. But with that said, I also think that they are an opportunity to focus in and check in with our body on how am i feeling today and there's a number of things that i try and take into account when i go through my warm up how is my heart rate responding how's my respiration how is my mind like how focused am i how distracted am i how much energy do i feel like i have today And then as I go through my routine, we start with a head-to-toe mobility routine where we we work on active joint mobilization first. And so during that, that to me is like a pre-flight checklist that a pilot goes through where you literally check in with every part of your body. That's incredibly valuable for me because the, the list of injuries that I have is so long. That, you know, as, as I work head to toe, I can reel off a bunch of the injuries that I've had, you know, concussions more than I than I am aware of neck uh, cervical straightening from banging my dinosaur head into other dinosaur heads playing football for as long as I did, um, you know, working down to working down to my T spine, you know, my mobility is uh, restricted in my T spine, I'm working on improving it in uh, and getting and getting better at it, um, so that I can round round my shoulders and contract my shoulders and flex and extend the thoracic region of my spine. That's what T stands for, the thoracic region. Um, you know, shoulder <laughs> shoulder one, my left shoulder, surgically reconstructed left shoulder from. 2001 surgery. How does that one feel? Um, Surgically reconstructed shoulder from 2022 shoulder surgery. How does that one feel? Um, You know, and on and on and on. I can go. I could go down the entire the entire body, um, and that's what I do. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to do that live on the podcast because uh, that would get really boring really fast, and nobody gives a shit how many injuries I've had but I do an actual physical checklist in my head as I go body part by body part and see how does that body part feel? Is anything wrong? Is anything, does anything feel off? It doesn't even have to be wrong. Does anything feel off or does it feel good? Right. Am I able to work it through its range of motion? Does it feel strong? Does it feel weak? Uh, You know, et cetera. So I try and be very present and the, the head to toe joint mobility is a way to check in with each of my body part, each of my body parts, excuse me, as I go through the warm-up. Right. So I we start with joint mobility, and that's just working the joints through their range of ranges of motion and and trying to get them awake, online, clicked on, ready to fire, and making sure that everything feels good. Then we move on to a general warm-up where now we're starting to work in different planes of motion, different movements, working different muscle groups, moving in compound you know, movement structures and, and starting to see how do my muscles feel? How well can I squat? What is my range of motion on my squat? what is my, uh, you know, What does my chest feel like? What are you know, my pecs feel like? What, what do my shoulders feel like? How do my hamstrings feel? How do my calves feel? Is there anything tight? Is there anything restricted? And if there are things that are restricted then I mobilize them. Um, you know, so working on, you know, my ankle or, uh, you can, you can get very specific, right? Like the external rotation on my right shoulder is limited right now because I had shoulder surgery. And so working on external rotation of my shoulder is important for me. So I do as part of my therapy and working through my warmup, I do external rotation drills. I do uh, stuff with my band and things like that. So, going through specific. Uh, so we work from general. We work from general to specific, but we focus joint by joint, um, and then working through a general warm up, and then I get into my specific warm up. Now, my specific warm up is starting to do kettlebell movements. So we start with a a squat swing, where we're working on letting the bell extend away from us and sitting our weight into our heels and squatting down. Um, And then we do cleans and then we do bumps and then we do jerks and then we do overhead squats and then we do full long cycle, right? So in each of those movements, that is an opportunity a to focus on my technique and B to check in with my body and C (laughs) <laughs> I didn't mean C like letter C, and, and see how I am feeling, observe how I am feeling within each of those movement planes, within each of those movements, and observe whether or not there is anything that I need to do extra time for. Now, this if this sounds like a longer warm-up process than what you are going through currently, um, it probably is, and it probably should be, longer than what you think kettlebell sport is highly stressful on the systems if you're doing it with any intentionality and intensity um it's a it's a high output sport so if you're not doing active um warm-ups if you're not doing joint mobility and doing general warm-up and specific warm-up like you you probably should be uh, especially if you have an injury history like mine or if you're over the age of you know <laughs> 25, or if you care about your performance and your output, like even if you're under the age of 25, um, if you if you're taking your performance seriously, you should be doing a general warm-up and a specific warm-up at the very least to be fully prepared to do what you're, about to set forth in doing. And we try to use, we being the members of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, try to use our warm up as an opportunity to check in on technique as well. You can get better at kettlebell sport uh, during your warm up if you're focusing on aspects uh, that you should be focusing on. So that is how we. Go through the warm up process as part of a pre flight checklist before we even get into our work sets. This is an opportunity for us to observe what is going on with our body and make sure that we are fully prepared to do the work. And if there is anything that is bothering us, um, you do extra preparation. Or, um, you know, if you're not ready to do the work that is prescribed that day. And you need another day or you need, you need to do something else, then we do that. Because as we discussed in the previous episode about the gift of injury, avoiding injury is our number one priority, first and foremost. That is rule number one, live to train another day. Be able to go to practice the next time. Sacrificing tomorrow for the sake of training today is a fool's gamble. Do not sacrifice future consistency for training today. Right? That is incredibly important. That is our number one principle. Make sure we avoid injury, don't get hurt you're hurt, you can't train. If you can't train, you can't progress. And that goes all the way down to don't tear calluses, right? I I tell people to stop when they're like, my, I feel like I'm going to tear a callus on my hand, right? We don't push to the point where we tear calluses in practice. It's practice. Your skin is an organ that needs conditioning, just like any other system in the body right? So we don't push to the point where we tear. I think it's foolishness when people brag about tearing their calluses, you know, or they post their, you know, if you post a picture of a torn callus, because you're like, ah, shit, I messed up. And, you know, or I pushed too hard and I tore a callus. Okay, fine. But if you're like, ah, tore a callus today, come back tomorrow, you know, like, look at how hard I trained. You're an idiot, frankly. Um, That's my opinion. Typically, when I see those posts, Um, like tearing a callus isn't a good thing. It means either you, you didn't have good technique, or you pushed too hard too soon, and your skin wasn't ready for it. And you suffered an injury that is an injury, whether you want to call it that. Now, a lot of people consider it a minor injury, and some people think it makes them tougher, more ready for competition, because they're They don't need to stop sets when their hands are going to tear it. Like I'm fine with torn calluses and comp. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like a torn callus is a minor injury and it is something you can push through. Right. So you tear a callus in comp. Okay. Right. It shouldn't stop your set typically, but it does diminish your capability and I want to avoid it as much as possible. And we avoid it by not pushing the skin to the point where it rips You can, if it's feeling like it's going to rip, you stop and you let it heal. And then it, and then it adapts and it comes back stronger. Right. But if you rip it, then there's trauma and then you have to take more time off. Well, you'll, you'll, your conditioning will benefit more from not needing to take days off of training than uh, from pushing through a torn callus. So, you know, again, don't get hurt. It's pretty simple, pretty simple, uh, guiding principle, but, uh, you know it's not the it's not the way that everybody approaches it calling all kettlebell dringer you honorable warriors and wielders of the steel the time has come to raid join us and fight for honor glory and the spoils of battle Sign up today for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on October 22nd, in person in Little Canada, Minnesota, or by video submission from anywhere in the world. Come, fight for your clan or for glory all your own to be told in your saga. Claim your spoils and may your name ring out forever in the Hall of Champions. Sign up today at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. Auto-regulation is a way of avoiding injury. We adjust to how our body feels on a given day. It is also a way of getting better faster, right? Because auto-regulation is bi-directional. It doesn't simply mean not dialing it back when you don't feel well. It also means pushing extending a little bit when you do feel well. That is something that is not often accounted for when we talk about auto-regulation. And part of the reason for that is I will say that I think most people are, at least in this sport, at least in this sport, or at least on my team, um, most people are much more predisposed to pushing themselves to their limits than they are to dialing back when they need to. Right. Um, they are, we tend to be box checkers in this sport. And what I mean by that is if coach tells you, I want four minutes at 10 RPMs, we're going to try and hit those four minutes at 10 RPMs because we want to check those boxes. We don't, we, we don't, we're achievement based <laughs> um, in this sport. If you're not, if you don't find yourself intrinsically rewarded by, uh, by checking the boxes of, of achievement and being able to say that you hit pace and time on a specific movement on a specific day, you're probably not, you're probably not uh, long for this sport or you're probably not cut out for it longitudinally because uh, it's a lot of alone time um, and <laughs> checking boxes for the sake of of feeling uh progress that is uh for lack of a better term uh you know fake progress or or fake achievement (laughs) you know practice achievement isn't real achievement it's not real until it's on the platform um but it's those it's consistently achieving those things in practice that gets you those achievements in 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 competition. And so people uh, that understand that uh, do really well. And people who are wired that way uh, tend to do well um, because if you're willing to push to achieve uh, to check a box on a spreadsheet or on a piece of paper uh, in practice, you're, you're probably, uh, you're probably going to do well. Um, But with that said, because that is our natural predisposition, it is important that we understand how to adjust within a given day or within a given session um, or between sessions, right? A lot of these things can also be applied outside of sessions. So what is a framework for adjusting? How do we prioritize uh, the different factors that are potentially out there when it comes to kettlebell sport. Right. And again, a lot of these principles can also be applied outside of kettlebell sport, um, but I will speak about kettlebell sport specifically, and then I'll try and generalize to other applications as well. So it's, hopefully this is useful outside of just kettlebell sport, but that's my that's my realm of application most of the time. So. Um, the, the, and this is a hierarchy, so that I'm clear. this is this is ordered in the most desirable to least desirable. So um, what is the first adjustment you should make and what is the last adjustment you should make? And you can think of that as what is the what will be the, the least impactful um, way to adjust the intensity down? what will be least impactful to my long-term success within the sport or achieving my goal um, and what would be most impactful. Right. So um, we, we start with, we start with, you know, the number one auto regulation hierarchy I give people is reduce your pace within the set, but finish the time. So if you have a five minute set prescribed at 20 RPMs for snatch, for example, and you have done three minutes at 20 RPMs and you don't feel like you can sustain that pace and finish the time you might reduce to 18 RPMs for minute four and 18 RPMs for minute five, right? Finishing the five minutes at a reduced pace to what was prescribed is better than not finishing the time. So reduce pace and finish the time that is auto regulation number one. Now auto regulation number two is reduce pace between sets. So if you're doing again, a five minute set times two sets on snatch, right? Say I prescribed five minutes times two sets at 20 RPMs with five minutes rest. So a one-to-one work-to-rest ratio times two sets at 20 RPMs. We're trying to maintain competition pace for an entire 10 minutes of total time of work right across the sets. And you do set number one and you're able to hold pace for set number one at 20 RPMs for all five minutes, but you know between sets, you will not be able to sustain that for another set, right? Maybe that's because you have tension in your hands and you're feeling like, if I do that pace again, I will tear. That might be one reason. Or you know that you don't have adequate recovery or whatever. There can be any number of reasons why you just know that you won't be able to maintain that pace for another set. Then you reduce pace between sets. It's okay. It's better to do two five-minute sets, one of which you hit 20 RPMs and the second one you hit 18 RPMs than it is to do five minutes at 20 RPMs and then only get two minutes into the second set because you tried to hold 20 RPMs and couldn't finish because you tore or whatever, right? So... Reducing pace between sets is auto-regulation number two. Number three is increasing rest between sets. Now, this is different than number two because if upon evaluation, as you're, as you're thinking about it, you think, hmm, if I gave myself another two minutes, I could hit 20 RPMs but I'm not, I'm just not there from a recovery standpoint. My cardio isn't back, right? I'm not quite ready to start again, but I know that if I give myself seven minutes rest instead of five minutes rest that I could hit 20 RPMs. Well, that's two sets at competition pace. That's great. That's good work. Even if it means that you weren't quite able to hit prescribed work to rest ratio, right? The difference there is going to be you won't be getting the same type of conditioning response in your training set as you would um, if you were able to maintain the work to rest ratio. Now this holds for running. This holds for even just lifting weights in the weight room, right? If you're doing Olympic power cleans and you're prescribed, you know, three sets of three reps with, two minutes rest in between sets and you just don't feel ready to go again, you can bump it up to three minutes between sets. You can bump it up to four minutes between sets, right? So you increase the rest interval between sets while keeping weight the same and keeping the prescription the same. You're just changing the rest interval so you feel more recovered. That's that's auto-regulation number three. Auto-regulation number four is reducing weight. Right. Reducing weight of the load. So that might be, you know, going from a 20 kilo bell to an eight, 18 kilo bell or a 16 kilo bell. Now I always tell people reduce weight as little as possible to then hit the prescription Right, That's another way of doing it. So you could do a five-minute set at 20 RPMs with a 20-kilo bell and keep your five-minute rest interval and then decide that for the second set, you're going to reduce weight. Now, that would be if the cardio feels good, but you just muscularly or from a stability or joint perspective don't feel like you can handle the weight, then reducing the weight of the bell is another adjustment you can make. Another adjustment you can make, excuse me. Auto regulation number five is reducing the time of your work sets. So again, we'll stick with the same example throughout. If your first set, you're only able to get five minutes and you couldn't hold pace, and you don't feel like you could finish the time on a second set, you may decide instead of doing two five-minute sets, you might do a five-minute set and a four-minute set because you can hold pace for four minutes but not for all five or five minutes and three minutes, right? Reducing the time of the sets, reducing work time might be another auto-regulation. Number six is switching hands. Now, this is where applicable, obviously, if you're doing double bell long cycle, you can't switch hands. If you're doing double bell jerk, you can't switch hands. So number six applies mostly to snatch, or if you're doing one arm training, like for marathon, or half marathon, right? Or if you're just doing one arm jerk, one arm long cycle, right? Switching hands more regularly is a way to auto-regulate. So if you have a five-minute one-hand switch work set prescribed on Snatch, and you get two minutes in and need to switch, you can switch and then switch back when you need to switch back. You can do multi-switch. You can take a 10-minute set. If you can't do all 10 minutes, with five minutes per hand, you might do four minutes on each hand and then a minute on each hand to finish, for example. Or you could do a switch every minute, right? It depends. But switching hands more regularly where, where applicable. Right? Number seven is reducing weight on GPP work, right? So if you've gotten through all of your kettlebell training and you've still got your, you've got your adjunct strength training or your adjunct GPP work to do, um, reducing the intensity of your GPP by reducing weight is another adjustment. So if you've got, for example, you got all the way through your snatch work and you're supposed to do um, whatever farmer carries as GPP. And it's prescribed at 32 kgs in each hand. And you're just like, there's no way my grip can handle that. Great. Reduce. Go to 24. Go to 28. You know, whatever whatever you feel like you can do. Reducing weight on GPP. Number eight, reducing sets or reps on GPP work, right? So reducing GPP workload, right? That's, that's auto-regulation number eight that we have. Auto regulation number nine is cutting kettlebell work sets, right? So we want, we want that to be after we would cut GPP, right? And this is what we assess as we go through and you have to look at your program ahead of time. You don't want to cut kettlebell work sets to finish your GPP in order to be able to do your GPP because Your kettlebell, your specific training for the sport is more important than your GPP, right? It's in priority lower. So, applying it to other sports other than kettlebell, right? You would want to reduce your adjunct training before you cut your sport, whatever your sport prescription is, right? So, Cutting kettlebell work sets is our ninth hierarchical GPP. or I'm sorry, uh, auto regulation. We would cut GPP before we cut kettlebell stuff, right? And that can be for time too. That's not just for that's not just for uh, adjusting to physical stimulus. That can also be adjusting to time constraints, right? If you only have 45 minutes you don't want to reduce your kettlebell sport work in order to get your gpp in right you you want to get your specific work in first right so cutting kettlebell work sets is our second to last uh, regulation right so cutting reducing work within a session cutting out sets and that's still something that happens sometimes you might have you know again if you did a five minute. If you had five minutes times two sets of snatch prescribed and you get through the first five minutes and realize that you just can't do another five-minute set without hurting yourself or tearing your hand or, you know, some other uh, bad consequence, then cut the second set. Or if, you know, you just, you need to cut it because you just don't have time and you, you know, doing one five-minute set and cutting the second one is better than doing nothing right? So cutting, cutting work sets is our second to last um, auto-regulation. And last, our last choice is to completely cut a training session. And that is also okay. That needs to happen sometimes. There are phases in training where you might be training uh, five or six days a week, and you might just need another day of rest and recovery, right? So adding a work day or adding a rest day, excuse me, or cutting a work day might be necessary. And that's okay. Because right? living to train tomorrow is the most important thing. That's the guiding principle, right? So that's the auto-regulation hierarchy uh, that I give to my athletes. I'll, I'll play that back to you real, real quick. Um, so number one, reducing pace and finishing the time. Number two reducing pace between sets. Uh, Number three, increasing rest interval between sets. Number four, reducing weight. Number five, reducing the time of the sets um, or of a set. Number six, switching hands more frequently than prescribed where applicable. Number seven, reducing weight on your GPP work. Number eight, reducing sets or reps on your GPP work. So reducing overall GPP workload. Number nine, cutting work sets for your sport, whether that be kettlebell or not. So cutting kettlebell works, work sets is what it says on our, you know, document. And number 10 is cutting training sessions, right? Now there are more than 10, Uh, possible applications of auto regulation. Um, But these are the most common 10. And usually people don't need to go deeper than this. Um, But that's not to say that there aren't other mechanisms by which you can auto regulate. But those those, those 10 are generally a pretty good guideline for how you can reduce intensity, right? And make sure that you have recovery enough to train another day because that is our overall rule number 1 live to train tomorrow right because that is how we get better longitudinally is consistency you can always come back and do it again or do more improve get better if you can keep training if you're hurt you can't get better Once you're hurt, all you're focused on is getting back to being healthy. So don't get hurt. That, my friends, is auto-regulation and why it is important, how to do it, some specific guidance on how to apply it in kettlebell sport. I hope y'all found this helpful. If you have questions on how to apply this in other sports, reach out to me. I have programmed for CrossFit, I've programmed for strongman, I've programmed for uh, football athletes, soccer, uh, triathlon, uh, triathlon outside of kettlebell sport, like not kettlebell sport triathlon. Obviously, I've prescribed for kettlebell sport triathlon, but uh, also just regular triathlon. Like these are these are principles of regulation, auto-regulation, right? So um, if you have any questions on how to apply this to your chosen discipline, if you're not a kettlebell sport athlete, please feel free to reach out. Like, it's not going to be outside of my depth. And if it is, um, <laughs> I will tell you, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know this for, for your sport. Um, but generally, I'm pretty good at applying principles across disciplines. So um, anyways, hopefully you found this helpful. And I will see you all next time on the platform podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this episode of the platform podcast. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Please be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice, support our work by supporting our affiliates. And of course, If you have questions or you want help reaching your goals, reach out to me. Till next time. Thanks for listening.